Welcome to the Investor Coaching Show, a podcast to help you get an insider's view of the financial world and escape common investment traps. We look at the financial news of the day and help you make sense of it so you can relax about money. And here's your host, Paul Winkler. And a welcome. This is the Investor Coaching Show. I am Paul Winkler. PaulWinkler.com is our website. Evan Barnard here hanging out with me, supplying the ice cream and... <laughs> Cindy, turn off the radio. Oh, <laughs> his wife. I'm busted now, man. Oh, no, 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 no. In all things in moderation. All things in moderation. It's all right. Makes us happy. <laughs> that's that's the running joke with a lot of my friends. You know, if we do anything and it and it's a, and it's the least bit profitable, it's people are like Paul. It's it's ice cream money for him. <laughs> my nutritionist, turn off the radio. <laughs> that's right. She's gonna be all over me. That's right. Okay. Anyway, so uh, Evan, man, I know that I just like you got like a a. a fire starter going on over there you need to start yeah well i don't i don't want you thinking i've actually got a social life on the weekends or something so i had to bring a bunch of research to the show here. <laughs> i know you've got way more of a social life than me man <laughs> that is just so true <laughs> the uh, yeah you know this was interesting um last week i was out in boise idaho mm -hmm. and it was actually on some uh speaking and presentation training a workshop that i was going through and I'm learning speaking on uh just more powerful presenting skills, being comfortable oh, cool. on a stage. Oh, really? Being oh. comfortable. Yeah. How neat. Okay. Um, and the interesting thing was, you know, a lot of the training that I do specifically, we all, I think, are in the same mold. Mm -hmm. uh, you less so than the rest of us, I would say. Um, most of my professional education is around investing mm -hmm. and, you know, the industry uh, but this, yeah, me, I'm <laughs> Paul. You're ADD. You're, you're, <laughs> you're like a drummer in the counseling. <laughs> He's all get over a, the place. Get another doctor. No, I, I get or it. I get it. I get it. Okay. But um, but this group is really uh, an unusual group in terms of who I'm usually around. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the gals there um, lives on the East Coast, and her business is counseling uh, adults. You know, uh, say fifty year old adults. Mm -hmm. Who are now dealing with putting their seventy or eighty year old parent in a mm. facility and how to divide jobs, how to divide responsibilities, even just how to m oh. go through that entire process. That is so interesting, and uh, and of course that's a you know a burgeoning field. Oh yeah. Well, this article caught yeah. my eye because of that. And yeah, I saw I saw that as well. I yeah. didn't read it, but I, yeah, but I it saw it. Yeah. Really, so the you know the radar was up, but it said more men. This is from the Wall Street Journal. More men are taking care of aging parents. They feel unprepared. Mm -hmm. And talks about Brandon Will, 41, who put his writing career on hold to mm -hmm. take care of his, uh, to become a full-time caregiver for his mom. And there's an increasing number of men taking care of their aging parents. Uh, I want to say 47% of the adults that are caring for parents now are men. That stat really did that's, blow me away. That's very high. Um, my anecdotal wow evidence in working with clients that are in this situation is usually it's 
you know, one of the responsible women in the family tree that is managing this process. That is the that is the cliche, and that's typically and, yeah. what it has been. Sure. Um, and so the interesting thing was, a it's a new set of responsibilities mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a man. Um, we, I am not necessarily the most nurturing human on the world. Uh, it's not. And it's women not are a typical better thing. at that. Right? People are. They're so worried about stereotyping. <laughs> you know, the reality of it is we're different. We're, okay. Yeah. And uh, so it's. And, it's and yes, new, you do have some nurturing yeah. guys. No question. There are exceptions to every rule. But you know, the reality right. of it is, yeah. I, and so you know, well, it's well. a new skill set. And so uh, we're feeling unprepared in dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, couple that with the fact that men generally aren't thrilled to go ask for help, say that they need support. Well, jokes like, you know, hey, a guy asking equipped. for directions, exactly. and, you know, it resonates for a reason. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's uh, it was just an interesting thing to jump out that, A, it's becoming more common. So if nothing else, if, you know, if you hear this and you're in this situation, for sure, ask for help. I mean, there's resources, all those kinds of things, mm-hmm. um, but it's going to become a growing it has become a growing trend and well, asking it, it for really help is a sign of me. weakness you know the well, idea yeah, is and, sure. and that's that's where that comes from sure um and it's affecting you know typically you know it, the man is the primary breadwinner not always but that's that's kind of the average and so now if they have to put their career on hold now you're wondering about okay who's going to provide for the core family, in addition to aging parents, that is all. You know, I've talked all, about all that. People retire fat, earlier than they thought they were going to yeah. because they have to take care of loved ones, yep, or exactly they become disabled. Sure, and uh, you know this this wasn't in the article, but it it got me thinking as well of uh, whether it's male or female. Um, you know, single parents that are in this position. God bless them. I mean, they just mm. I can't imagine the plates that they're juggling trying to care for an aging parent they're putting food on the table getting their kids to school um Mm -hmm. you know those are people that need someone around them whether it's church friends community friends something um but it's it's just become going to become a growing issue for a lot of us and i think that is something that I, i often find myself talking to guys about yeah, you know, it's the reality of it is that women tend to be really good at having a support system around them. Yeah, guys not so much. And typically, the advice that I'm giving to guys, or just the guidance based on research, is that when you're a kid, you naturally learn how to reach out to other people, and we do it through something called parallel play, is what it's called. <laughs> in, in, in parallel play, when you're in, when you're 11, you know, well, shoot, much earlier than that, uh, you're five years old or four years old. You're playing with some kid, and you know, you got your little set of blocks or something like that, you know, and then the other kids got their little set of things, and you sit there in a room and you watch kids. They will sit there and they will be separate from each other, and they don't really share back and forth what they're playing with. And then what happens is as as time goes on, they start to cooperate a little bit more. And maybe, you know, Johnny gives, you know, Mikey a, you know, one of his blocks to build something or to finish something he's working on. And then they start to work together. And then as they grow older, they become really good friends. And it's kind of like that with guys is that little by little you go out. I tell them, go out, find a club. If you're like into fixing cars, Mm -hmm. go join a car fixing club. 
uh, if you're into hunting, go find a bunch of people, you know, to, to go and, and, you know, some people will do this. They go Friday morning breakfast. We used to do this, a yeah. bunch of guys from church. We go Friday morning breakfast and you hang out and talk with each other. And then you start to find that you have things in common. Then you go and start to, and that's parallel play. Uh-huh. You know, you're kind of doing that as a guy, and then as time goes on, and then when it happens, now you have a network around you, and it, to have that type of group of people around you is absolutely critical, especially when the chips yeah. are down. Yep. If your only friend is your spouse, you know, and that spouse becomes sick, you're lost. Right. <laughs> you know, so that's a problem. So, yeah, I think that, that is one of the keys is making sure that people actually start to reach out and don't feel ashamed of reaching out to other guys right because guess what loneliness is an epidemic right now people are lonely they want somebody to come talk to them and you're thinking that that person doesn't want to be bothered they probably do want to be bothered by you right they would love to have somebody to talk to yeah the other uh and the other facet of this was simply the financial side mm -hmm. um it's not something that and i will I'll be making an adjustment to this, frankly. Um, mm -hmm. It's not something I talk about much with 30 or 40-year-old clients, mm -hmm. but I think we're going to maybe see a trend where 45-year-old professionals are going to buy long-term care for their parent, mm -hmm. and you're no longer going to mm -hmm. be trying to you know, encourage a 65-year-old who's now retired and confronting mortality mm -hmm. to say, Hey, you ought to consider a nursing home policy. Right. But, you know, early on, here's a professional that has the cash flow and can have resources to get support in that need. I bet that's going to become a, some kind of a societal shift on yeah. who the the target market for purchasing long-term care insurance it, it, is going to be. Yeah, it has been talked about in uh some of the coursework that that I had been through, they yeah. actually talked about having kids and, and encouraging their kids mm -hmm. to look at policies yeah. for their parents. And, you know, it would be nice if that happened, because if you get more people doing it, maybe some of the pricing of some of these products will improve some. Yeah, you know, because unfortunately, sure. you end up with an adverse risk where you basically have the only people that buy this stuff are people that they're thinking, man, I'm I got one foot in a banana peel yeah. and the other in a nursing home. Right. Uh, and maybe that that would be the case. Uh, that was that was one group of people. The other one was that uh, kids that want to protect their inheritance. <laughs> they oh, would buy yeah. they would buy long term care on their their parents right. because you know, so their parents weren't spending the money on 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 that. But they were spending money on the on uh, you know that they weren't spending money on long term care that they were actually you know preserving the assets. <laughs> well, that that uh, that mercenary bent that some of us may have uh, <laughs> swerves into this other topic hmm. that uh, Leviticus. Just plug your ears. Yeah. Um, can AI do empathy mm -hmm. even better than humans? Companies mm -hmm. are trying it. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting what their AI is rapidly becoming viewed as an assistant, mm -hmm. not being viewed as a replacement for a human. Mm -hmm. And so some of these companies early on, um, on, um, oh, you know, customer service lines. Right. Software was analyzing the voices of who was calling in with either a complaint or mm -hmm. something, mm -hmm. and they could read certain stress, personality types, what they were using AI a while back, mm -hmm. and they would route those calls to an operator that was better suited for a fast talker or someone that seemed pinch. I mean, it's really cool. Sure. 
That um, makes a lot of sense. But now they're looking at even for, say, uh, a psychologist or a human resource person, they can AI can help them draft responses to complaints. Mm-hmm. And a human has a bad day. A human has a child that's sick. The dog threw up. Mm-hmm. You got a flat tire on the way to work. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you fire off some email. Mm-hmm. And in today's world... One email, one tweet, you can wipe out 10% of a company's market value, right? Well, you know, it's funny you say that, but, you know, they they route somebody, if somebody's a fast talker, they route them to somebody else that is a little bit more. That can deal with that type. Yeah, Yeah. that that they're not, you know, that they're not necessarily, uh, they're, they're not. Have any? They don't have a problem with a person like that. I'm, I'm just right. searching for a good word. Yeah, it because, doesn't trigger them. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, because yeah, that was the word I was going to use, but it's almost over years. <laughs> so I was trying Sorry. to avoid it. No, that's all right. <laughs> uh, but but the, the reality of it is, in and this is something I talk to people about a lot of times. It's this concept of transference. Mm-hmm. In other words, when somebody has a trait that maybe reminds us of somebody from our past that we didn't really like a whole lot. We don't know why, why we don't like them. It's like when I talk to young guys and I go, hey, you know what? Uh, when, you're, when you're asking somebody out, you know, just keep in mind if you don't know that person from a hole in the wall and if they turn you down, it's probably something about you, maybe a, a piece of clothing you were wearing, what you look like, uh, the way you had cuffs on your, your pants or, you know, the type of shirt that you had or whatever that just reminds them of something or somebody that they didn't like or that they had a problem with or something really bad happened with. Uh And they're rejecting that. They're not rejecting you. Uh, But, you know, you think about that, that's what you're doing. You're not necessarily dealing with the frailties of people's emotional you know, right. they're, they're how they can be driven to do things or act in a way because of something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, so that makes a lot of sense that you might use something like AI for that particular purpose. Yeah. Um, there, there was um, there's an interesting. I don't know it. It, it was about AI and that uh, Chad had actually come up with, and it was you know, Chad up here in the Goodlessville office. It was University of Chicago researchers seek to poison. AI art generators with nightshade is what the title of the article was. Hmm. It's fascinating. It says, a team of researchers from the University of Chicago released a research paper outlining nightshade, a data poisoning technique aimed at disrupting the training process for AI models. Reports MIT Technology Review and VentureBeat. The goal is to help visual artists and publishers protect their work from being used to train generative AI image synthesis models and you know i've seen some things out there my son has shown me some you know, little programs that do some interesting stuff in that area open source poison pill tool uh, alters images in ways that are invisible to the human eye that can corrupt the ai models training process <laughs> and it's fascinating they Thompson have some robbers already that oh i cannot believe i cannot believe you just said that that it that was a comment oh, really? i read the comments really? of people that were actually commenting yeah. on the article and that was one of them <laughs> uh that was literally that's so funny you said that Evan. wow wow it says for example in test researchers used a tool to alter the images of dogs in a way that led to an ai model to generate a cat when prompted to produce a dog so they're, <laughs> they're trying to mess up the ai it's 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 a hoot to do this nightshade takes the image of an intended concept which is the actual image of a dog and suddenly modifies the image so that it retains its original appearance 
but is influenced in latent or encoded space by a differently, uh, an entirely different concept, like a cat. You know, so what they do is they have this thing, like you have these different, um, they have this, they, they, they call them poison samples. Uh-huh. And you have like, you know, no poison samples. Uh-huh. And then you have 50 poison samples and the dog starts to look a little bit strange. <laughs> and then you have 100 poison samples and it starts to look like, like I don't know what, right. like, a, like an animated tiger or something like that. And then you got 300 poison samples and it looks like a cat. I mean, they literally changed the image. And that's how they're protecting these images. And, you know, I, I have no clue. I mean, this technology is so far beyond me. <laughs> right. I can't even think straight as I'm looking at this stuff. Maybe Dr. Seuss was using AI back in the day to kind of come up with some of those illustrations or something. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't even get it. But they had like a handbag turns into a toaster and they have a car turns into a cow and they have a hat turns into a, a piece of cake. And, you know, they're showing how this happens. But, you know, I'm thinking they're embedding this stuff with coats. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me a little bit of, you know, when you have, um, oh, what are those things? It's been a while since I talked about it. Those things that were worth, those little pictures that were worth so much. Oh, NFTs. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And non-fungible tokens, Tokens, right? Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, the non-fungible tokens. It reminded me of that. And, you know, all I could think of is, okay, how are they going to be able to use technology like this for deep fakes? You know, they already do, I think. I mean, you know, to protect, you know, you're trying to protect your image. And if your image is being used to make a deep fake, is there a possibility that, I don't know. I I, I, I don't understand this technology enough. I may be just totally off base. But I thought it was fascinating because, you know, this is something that we worry about so much. Yeah, we worry about these types of things affecting political, you know, you know, the um, elections and things like that. And is it a possibility that there's a way to protect against that? So yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, AI. Uh, I, you know, you look at it. It's an opportunity. It's a threat. It's an opportunity. It's a tool. You know, and it's, it's a, a tool. You can use it for good or bad. Right. It's yeah. another tool. And, the, you know, we look at this and we say, okay, so something is developed that could be negative. Now, even this, even though it's, you know, we look at this as a, a positive, you know, they talk about in the article how it can be used for negative purposes. Yeah. And when you look at that and go, it's it's kind of like anything else. You know, it's, um, it's so so often what we do is we look at, at things, you know, some, it's just my mind went off to, you know, they're talking about, so many people talk about gun control and all of that and, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the issue, and we talk about mental health and, and you know, how a lot of the places that were holding right. people in, in past mm-hmm. are not holding them. So you got more issues with mental health mm-hmm. and people say, well, if you just take away the, all the guns and, and you go, well, you know, you, there are places around the world where they took away the guns. Now they're using cars as a weapon. Uh, you know, so you think about a car is supposed to be used for positive purposes right. as right. transportation, but it could be used as a weapon. It's just like anything. You know, the, the reality of it is we can sit here and worry ourselves to death over all of these things and, and get ourselves into, you know, an absolute tizzy worrying about the future and fearing the future. Or we can go, you know what? I just, it's one of my favorite quotes from a buddy of mine who's a CPA. And, and he basically made the comment to me the other day about something. He goes, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> I'm like, All right. Good point, man. I'm just going to go out and have fun and I'm not going to worry about it and recognize go. that somehow or other life finds a way. To quote 
Jurassic Park. Paul go. Winkler, Investor Coaching Show, <laughs> along with Evan Barnard. We're going to be back right after this. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Thanks for tuning in to the Investor Coaching Podcast. Now, you may be one of these people that's been listening and realizing, wow, investing, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye and financial planning tax laws constantly changing and recognizing that maybe you might need some help in this area, but you don't want just anybody to help you out. So we have 10 offices in the Middle Tennessee area, and everything we do is fee only. We align our interests with your interests. So you can get an initial 15-minute phone call with any one of our offices just by going to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. That's it. Every one of the offices is run by somebody with 20 plus years experience. They're all degree planners. They all have academic backgrounds in investing, and you can get the help that you need. So if you want to set up a complimentary phone consultation, just go to paulwinkler.com forward slash call. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Hey, you know, remember a couple of years ago, the big thing we were talking about is people buying marijuana stocks? Yes. That was the big thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I would, and I would talk about, I would joke about that, you know, hey, yeah, people buy it because they think it's going high. Ha, ha, ha. You know, we would joke <laughs> about that. And, and uh, you know, one of the things that I, I you know, it's, it's amazing to me now <laughs> So many people smoking marijuana <laughs> uh, that uh, yes, I almost feel like I'm going to offend you, but but I you know I'm not. I, I I'm just yeah. don't, I'm looking at this. I get, you know I loved uh, there was there was one lady that was, she taught a marital class and she was just talking about things that we do, you know how things that we actually do as couples, and she would just go. I don't, I'm not judging you. I'm just, I'm just, I'm going to tell you what the research says. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's literally the right. way she was. Uh, she would, and I, I wouldn't, I, I won't use her name because I haven't, I don't have permission to use her name, but she's go. one of these ladies that actually teaches on marriage and, and, you know, how to help people in marital counseling and things like that. Uh, but anyway, she would say, I'm not here to offend you, but you know, here's the research is just what you're doing doesn't work really well. And I always, I always yeah. liked the way she handled that. I thought it was really, really good you know, because sometimes what happens, people think you're you know, giving a personal attack. Well, this uh, article from the Wall Street Journal, uh, the cannabis that people are using for anxiety uh, is probably making it worse is what they found. Uh, anxious consumers are looking for help and pot companies have promoted their products as an answer. So the article says lots of people with anxiety are counting on cannabis as his ability to treat their symptoms. Here's the problem. The science shows that it's probably, probably doesn't help and it's actually making symptoms worse. Hmm. They promoted their products as helpful for anxiety. That's what they're doing. They're out there, you know, you see, hey, this is going to be, this is great. You want to relax. You want to chill out. <laughs> you know, forget about the munchies and that you're going to get fat. No, no whatever. <laughs> but uh, anxious consumers have turned to weed and edibles for relief for treatments on their ailments have become harder to find. The number of available and affordable therapists badly lags demand. And traditional medications don't work for everyone. Driving both, it's true. That's very true. A lot of the medications that people use for anxiety and depression uh, very well may exacerbate it as well. It's, it's like, you know, you look at some of the research on the SSRIs. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of, I go, whoa, wait a minute. And for the uninitiated, what is an SSRI? <laughs> oh, <laughs> selective serotonin reup 
reuptake inhibitors. Got it. Uh, I don't so, swim in those waters. Sorry. Uh, okay, that's sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so you know, serotonin being you know that happy chemical. That okay, got it. That most of which is actually you're from your stomach. That's why diet is so important. People don't think about that. Your diet, your stomach is another brain. They say it's your second brain. Yeah, that's uh yeah. You got three of them. Uh, heart, uh, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've uh, a good friend of mine that would not get a heart transplant, and literally said, "I'm not doing that." I was like, "Why?" why? And you're like going, "Your heart is in really, really bad shape," because I have had too many people that have done it, and and with a change in personality. Interesting. The guy's a psychiatrist. Wow. Uh, so yeah, knows this kind of stuff. But anyway, um, survey last year found that nearly two thirds of people said that they would prefer to use cannabis rather than pharmaceuticals to treat a medical issue. And uh, 54% of respondents said that they had, uh, they, who had said that they had ever used cannabis, 41% had consumed it to reduce anxiety. And they're actually finding not looking so good. So, um, I, I'm just that's research. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just here to tell you. You know, it's uh, a lot of times when I read or hear, in and this from case, an investment standpoint. Uh, yeah. Just real quickly before you make that point, because uh, this is an investing show. Remember, people were investing in this stuff because right. they thought that they would make tons of money. And what do you buy when you buy stock? You buy the rights to the earnings the or the future profits earnings, of the company, right. the future earnings. And they had they said here that the industry, the profits have fallen short of the lofty expectations. So it didn't work out. So wow. Well. Anyway. You know, just driving up here. Mm-hmm. Um, this afternoon, mm-hmm. there was a, a billboard okay. that I can't remember if it was on 65 or if I was on uh, Veterans Parkway. Mm-hmm. And there was a picture of a gal seductively dressed, I'm going to say, just to make it an easy description. Okay. And the the title of the website was Pretend It's Flowers. But then it Pretend. said cannabis on the on the billboard. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and I'm—I mean, it was just. So I'm, I'll have to look it up when I get home. Like, what in the world is this? But so instead of getting a bouquet of flowers for send your them, Valentine, I don't know gummies or weed or what. I, I don't know what they were advertising, but it was on I-65 coming up here. Yeah, what a shock! But whether whether marijuana is better or worse than pharmaceuticals mm-hmm. for treating that stuff—that's mm-hmm. probably a very different debate. But anytime I we swerve into these kind of conversations, I always think about Crocodile Dundee. Just the fact <laughs> I'm thinking I'm liking the idea that no. you use swerve, you know, because <laughs> when you're <laughs> forget it, the, and uh, you know everybody could use more mates, right? <laughs> okay. You know, relationships, mate, <laughs> and connections. You know, the, the connections that people have. We were talking about. You know, you're talking about earlier about having a support network uh-huh. around you when we were talking about long term care. Mm-hmm is people don't realize the medical impact that having a support network around you has more so than any, you know, marijuana, yes. pharmaceutical, whatever. Oh, yeah, no question. Just Life the relationships. Oh, yeah, yeah for, great. Ab- absolutely. And it's free. With connected people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, this is Paul Winkler. Hope you enjoyed today's edition of the Investor Coaching Show. If you want to learn more about what we do, go to our website, paulwinkler.com. You can watch some of the videos there, and if you're not already a client, you can set up a free initial consultation. Until next time, I'm Paul Winkler, reminding you that I believe that more educated investors are more confident investors. 
and confident investors are more successful investors. Have a great one. Advisory services offered through Paul Winkler, Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor. The opinions voiced and information provided in this material are for general informational purposes only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what investments are appropriate for you, please consult with a financial advisor. Paul Winkler, Inc. does not provide tax or legal advice. Please consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your particular situation.